0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Lager. So I just recorded an episode earlier today about James Harden being on the Los Angeles Clippers. Now I'm going to preview Game 4 of the World Series. The Rangers got a big win last night in Game 3, but it came at the cost of losing two of the most important players, Max Scherzer and Adoliz Garcia. Both of them will be done for the remainder of the series, which is very unfortunate and sad to see. Both of them were removed from yesterday's game, and just now it was denounced that they will be taken off of the World Series roster for Texas. Ezekiel Duran and Brock Burke, who's a pitcher, will be replacing them on the World Series roster, according to Jeff Passan. Scherzer went down with a back injury in yesterday's game and then an oblique injury for Garcia. That's a tough break for this Texas Rangers team, but they just need two more wins, and they're going to need the guys to step up. They need guys to step up in the absence of Garcia, especially Garcia at the plate, even though Scherzer... Is a very good pitcher. Obviously, historically in his career, wasn't really great this postseason. Besides yesterday's game, they need somebody to step up in place of Garcia. John Gray came in in relief of Scherzer yesterday. Scherzer went three innings, scoreless, with just thirty-six pitches. He went three innings, giving up two hits, no runs, two walks, and a strikeout. And then John Gray came in right out of the bullpen. It was great. He was great out of the bullpen, and that's what that team needed. John Gray went three innings, giving up just one hit, no runs, three strikeouts, no walks, and thirty pitches picking up the win. He has a 1.59 ERA in the postseason, which is obviously great to see. And then if you look at who stepped up at the plate, the Rangers had all their runs come in the third inning. Three runs come in the third inning, with two of them coming off of a two-run home run in the top of the third inning with two outs from Corey Seager, And that was obviously huge for this Rangers team. That was a second home run that came into big position. Obviously, game one, tying the game in the bottom of the ninth inning was huge. And then now in yesterday's game, had a big two-run home run to give Texas the lead with the two-run shot. And that ends up being all they need. They win that game 3-1. to Adonis Garcia was Texas's hardest hitter in the playoffs, so that's obviously going to be a major loss for them. He set the record for the most RBIs in a single season in postseason history with 15 in the ALCS. Over on the postseason, he was hitting .323 with eight home runs, 22 runs batted in, two stolen bases, in an 11-8 OPS in 15 games. Obviously, it's not going to be the same without him. In tonight's lineup, it'll be Travis Jankowski taking over his spot in the lineup in right field. And then Mitch Goff will move up to third in the lineup. And then the rookie, Evan Cotto, will be batting cleanup. He's been great for them in the postseason. A 333 batting average with a .101 OPS and eight doubles in the postseason so far. I think Texas needs Marcus Simeon to heat up. He had a big hit in last night's game, but he's hitting only 197 in the postseason with a 227 slugging percentage and a 491 OPS. They need him to get going. They need him to get going. As for Arizona, their starter in yesterday's game was Brandon Fought, who went 5.1 innings, five and a third innings, Giving up four hits, three earned runs, four strikeouts, and two walks. The rookie did get hit around yesterday by Texas, but it obviously could have been worse. He has been great for them overall in the postseason. Texas is now 9-0 on the road in the postseason this year, which is unreal to see, which is the best in MLB playoff history. So obviously they found a way to really get things going when they are away and not at home. Tonight's Game 4 matchup will be Joe Maniply on the mound for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this will actually be a bullpen game for them. An eight appearances in the postseason this year, he has five strikeouts and six and the third innings, giving up a 4.26 ERA. He went up against Texas in relief in August, recorded two outs, giving up one hit and gave up no runs. Andrew Heaney will be on the mound for Texas. He has four appearances in the postseason this year with one strikeout in six innings and a six ERA. Also has a .292 batting average against him, so that obviously needs to improve tonight. He went up against Arizona in May, giving up four hits, six earned runs, five strikeouts, four walks, and three home runs in four and two-thirds innings pitched to in May. So, Obviously, those numbers need to be better tonight. As to my prediction of the game, I think Texas wins this one 6-4. to four. I'm rooting for them to win the series. I thought around May that they had the best roster in the American League, even better than Tampa Bay when Tampa Bay was very hot. And when I made that decision that I thought they had the best roster, I stuck with them throughout the whole way thinking they would win the American League. And the way you look at it right now, when you look at this team, their offense, when they're on, it's just impossible to stop them. And I'm a big fan of Corey Seager. I love Texas' decision to go all-in over the last couple of years. Obviously, paying half a billion dollars to get Seager and Simeon is huge. And then getting Jacob deGrom in free agency last year, and then trading for Max Scherzer when deGrom went down this year. It's obviously great to see this team going all-in. I'm always rooting for teams that go all-in. At the same time, I root for teams that are underdogs as well. Arizona's an underdog. They fight hard night in and night out. They don't go down without a fight. But my prediction before the series began was Texas winning in six, and I'm going to stay with that. So now I'm gonna move on and talk about some of the Mac football games tonight. This week is the start of midweek Mac and football, something that I look forward to every single year. I believe I was in maybe eighth and ninth grade when I first started following the Mac in Central Michigan, and I've been following their weekday games every single year. Their midweek night games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. I've been following now for about Seven years, I would say. I've been following it, so I'm going to give a quick preview of tonight's games. We have Central Michigan hosting Northern Illinois. Both teams are 4-4. Four and four. Central Michigan is actually coming off a loss to Ball State last week on the road, 24-17. They have won one of their last three games and one and two in the last three. Astor Northern Illinois, they've won three games in a row. They're 4-4 four and four on the year, beating Eastern Michigan last week at home, 20-13. Rocky Lombardi in that game. Had 21 completions and 33 attempts, 173 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. Antonio Brown, the running back for Northern Illinois, had 10 carries of 26 yards and a touchdown. He's been a great back for them all season. Rocky Lombardi did have a touchdown on the ground in this one. As for Central Michigan, their quarterback is Jace Bauer, who has 1,200 passing yards on the year. He's averaging just about 153 passing yards per game. Five touchdowns and six interceptions in eight games played. Also does have seven rushing touchdowns though on 70 rushing attempts for 223 yards. He's averaging just about 28 rushing yards per game. That's obviously something that NIU has to watch out for tonight, his ability to get out of the pocket and scramble. So that's one thing that he's been using to his advantage this season. His passing numbers aren't crazy though. 58% completion percentage, five touchdowns, six picks. But when you look at his rushing numbers, seven touchdowns on the year, averaging 28 rushing yards per game. Some of his passing struggles are made up for with those running numbers. So we'll see what happens in tonight's game. Center Michigan is averaging 22 points per game in offense. Northern Illinois at 24 points per game. Northern Illinois actually started off the year with a win at Boston College. I was there on the season open day, and that was just a tough loss for BC. Northern Illinois' defense did play well in that one. On the year, they're giving up 21 points per game. Central Michigan's given up just about 30 points per game, which is obviously tough to see. Both teams are very similar in sacks. 17 sacks for Northern Illinois to 14 for Central Michigan on the year. But the difference here is in turnovers. Central Michigan has just four takeaways on the season. But when you look at the other side at Northern Illinois, they have 12 takeaways on the year. A plus three turnover differential, Central Michigan's at minus six. Minus six turnover differential for Central Michigan on the year. Central Michigan is the underdog in this one. With them being the home team and a midweek game, I'm a big fan of Central Michigan, so I'm a little bit biased here. I think they win this one, I'm going to say, by a score of 30 to 27. I think it'll be a close game, but i like Central Michigan to come out on top with a win. Next up, we have the 7-1 Toledo Rockets hosting Buffalo, who is 3-5 on the year. If you look at these teams, this matchup heavily favors Toledo, who is 7-1 on the season, winning seven straight games. They've been electric on the year, 35 points per game, 442 yards per game on offense. When you look at Buffalo, they're averaging just 26 points per game and 324 yards per game on offense. Big difference between these teams is the big difference between their defenses. Buffalo's giving up 29 points per game. Toledo giving up just 20 points per game. These teams have similar turnover differentials, though. Plus three turnover differential for Buffalo. Just plus two for Toledo. Toledo has been struggling with turnovers on the year. 11 turnovers for them. There's 10 for Buffalo on the season. Buffalo has done well, though, with forcing turnovers. They have eight forced fumbles on the season, three of them being recovered. Those are 10 interceptions, so that's something that Daquan Finn, the quarterback for Toledo, will have to watch out for tonight. On the year, 1,425 passing yards, 178 passing yards per game, 14 touchdowns and five interceptions, just three sacks on the season. He's been electric, and he's fine a way to get rid of the ball before being sacked. Toledo's offensive line has been good though. Daquan Finn also has 59 rushing yards per game on average with five rushing touchdowns on the season and no fumbles. He has been great moving the ball on the ground. As for Buffalo, their quarterback is Cole Snyder who has 12 passing touchdowns on the year to seven interceptions in eight games played. He has just about a 59% completion percentage on the year. He doesn't really run the ball too much. He averages 4.9 rushing yards per game. Has 46 carries on the season for just 39 yards. Does have a rushing touchdown and a fumble on the year. I think Toledo's a much better team in this matchup. Obviously, anything can happen in any given game, especially in midweek maxion games. There's always some crazy upset. It seems like every single week during midweek maxion, there's a team that you don't expect to win, and they come out and somehow just surprise and end up winning on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I've been a fan of these games now, as I said, for a long time, and I'm excited for the start of it with tonight being Halloween. I think Buffalo is going to struggle in this one. I think Toledo gets the win, I'm going to say, by a score of 28-13. to 13. So now to close out the episode, I'm going to talk about some things Halloween, which one thing I already said in my first episode of the day, I said, happy Halloween to everyone out there. I wish everyone another happy Halloween. Hopefully everybody has a great day and gets to enjoy some candy. With today being Halloween, I'm going to break down some of my favorite Halloween songs, my favorite Halloween movies, and then some of my favorite things of the fall, and also some top Halloween candies that I'm a big fan of. This is just all for fun. I did it last year my radio show at BC, something I really enjoyed just doing, just as a quick segment, so I'm going to end the episode with this. I'm going to break down the best Halloween songs, in my opinion. Somebody's Watching Me, Rockwell and Michael Jackson, great song, been a fan of it for a long time. Then we got Thriller by Michael Jackson, another classic, and then Monster Mash, and not just a regular Monster Mash, which is... Also another classic and a very good song. But I'm actually referring to the Monster Mash headlines, which is a yearly tradition on Zolek at Bertrand on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Every single year, the Monster Mash headlines are done by Rob Hardypool. This year's was another good one. Check that out on Zolek and Bertrand's Twitter. So that's another good song. Those are my top three Halloween songs. We had Somebody's Watching Me, Thriller, and then the Monster Mash. But the Monster Mash headlines by Rob Hardypool on on Zolek and Bertrand. Every single year, he creates a new jingle with Monster Mash about headlines around sports. So he talks about the Celtics win last night, the Bruins win last night, and then also the NFL trade deadline today. It was very catchy, just like it is every single year. I didn't really know too much about it until a couple years ago. But it's catchy, so go check that out on Twitter, on Zolek and Bertrand's Twitter. Next up, we have the best Halloween movies, and I'm going to talk about my favorite Halloween movies since I know this is going to differ between people. But I think the best Halloween movie overall is Hocus Pocus. I think it's unmatched. I watched it already three times this week. Every single year, that's something I look forward to. I really like Halloween Town as well, and then also It, another classic. I think this is a great time of year, though. Not even just Halloween makes the fall great, but there's other great things in the fall. you got football season back, which is obviously great to see. you got the sports equinox, which we saw yesterday, which is obviously awesome to see, with 11 NBA games, 9 NHL games, Monday Night Football, and Game 3 of the World Series. That's something that every sports fan looks forward to every single year. Also, you have Midweek action. Just starting up tonight on Halloween. I was happy I was able to preview some of those games for tonight. Also, another great part of the fall is the weather. Even though it's not hot anymore like it is during the summertime, I still love the 65 degree afternoon and evenings where it's perfect weather for sweatpants and a sweatshirt, comfortable on those typical nights where it's 60 to 65. And it's unreal with a breeze as well when it's 60 to 65 degrees out. It's not going to last too much longer, though, before it gets consistently cold. It's really only 60 to 65 for October before it gets really cold. So that won't really last too much longer, unfortunately. And then also Halloween, a great and fun holiday, something everybody looks forward to every single year. If you love pumpkin carving, you love apple picking, you love dressing up for Halloween with costumes, you love candy, all of that makes the fall season something that people look forward to year in and year out. Now to rank my favorite Halloween candy, something that just came to mind that I'm going to do really quick. I think Reese's is the best overall candy, the best trick-or-treat gift you can get. Number two, I got Twix. Number three, I have Milky Ways. Number four, I have Hershey's Cookies and Cream. Such an underrated candy. And then number five, I have Swedish Fish. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Hope everyone has a good one and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.